1: This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right, yeah, I know. No. Ladies and gentlemen, please remain standing for the singing of our national anthem.
2: said Britain is just a small island that no one pays attention to.
3: A former colony won the right to determine its own destiny.
0: Hello and welcome back to Mid-Atlantic. As you've probably heard me say before, uh, Mid-Atlantic is part of the Agora Podcast Network, a network of great independently produced podcasts from all over the world. Uh, each month we nominate a show to specifically to promote, and this month is Dominic Perry's excellent The History of Egypt podcast. Um, why don't you go over to the Agora Podcast Network or to iTunes or Stitcher or a podcaster of your choice today to give it a listen. Hello and welcome to Mid-Atlantic, the show where we look at the news and the views from one side of the Atlantic from the perspective of the other. Today I'm joined by Journal and map geek John Elledge in London. On the morning after the night before, with the Conservatives losing their Commons majority, Theresa May Chasey will form a government and she will work with the 10 Democratic Unionist Party MPs after going to Buckhouse to see the Queen. So we asked political sage know of all things about the political climate in the uk john Ellidge how did you john and everybody else get this election so wrong
4: <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay well um i i think
0: all that... okay, right full disclosure before before you um launch into your answer Just before John and I were at a rather nice soiree last night, John invited me to the New Statesman uh, election party. And as he left, he said, Roy Field, it's going to be a Tory majority of 80 seats and possibly even more.
2: Theresa May's gamble backfires, but for now at least,
5: she's staying on. Country needs a period of stability. And whatever the results are, the Conservative Party will ensure that we fulfil
2: our duty in ensuring that stability. Jeremy Corbyn pulls off an astonishing result. It's a Tory win that looks like a loss and a Labour loss that looks like a win. What Theresa May thought was a safe bet turned out to be a devastating failure. The majority she was trying to increase has been wiped out. With one result still to go, here's how the parties stand. The Conservatives have 318 seats, Labour hold 261. The SNP have 35 MPs and the Lib Dems 12. Mrs May has lost 12 seats, while Mr Corbyn has gained 29. The Scottish Nationalists have been hit hard, losing 21, while the Lib Dems have picked up four. That leaves the Tories short of the 326 seats needed for a bare majority. But in Northern Ireland, the Democratic Unionists have ten MPs. The balance needed to prop up Mrs May, take out the seven Sinn Fein MPs who will not take up their seats, and the Speaker who doesn't vote, and a Conservative DUP deal could have an effective majority of 16.
4: The, the, the average of the polls and you know polling doesn't actually work like that, but kind of the, the, the midpoint of the polls was was suggesting the Tories were about seven points ahead, uh which which would have translated on, on uh on, on national swing into a majority of about eighty seats. Uh and also, you know, remember they came into this with like a twenty-five point lead. It wasn't just you know they came into this ahead. The only reason we're having Election because they have this 25 point lead, and Theresa May thought she could could capitalize on that by getting you know the biggest Tory majority in in 80 years. And you know, we all we could all see the polls have narrowed, but I don't think anyone kind of thought it, they'd narrowed that much and you know added to that it's I'm a miserable sod I just kind of assumed that the worst was going to happen because you know generally the worst does happen
0: all right okay we've, we've the... had we've had a
4: round of terrible terrible elections recently let's but, you know, let's I, I not have been so delighted to be so completely wrong it was amazing
0: so before we delve into your psyche and realize you're a pessimistic sod let's focus on the UK election was it the kids what won it for Jezza
4: I mean, we're still we're still getting data on this. Um, there is a, a statistic floating around this afternoon that suggests that 72% of 18 to 24 year olds uh, uh, came out to vote, which I, I've not seen that verified. That statistic may may not in fact be true, but if so, that would be an incredible turnout. That might even be across the average turnout across the the entire population, and yeah, that and most of those kids would have come out for Labour, so. Yeah, I mean, also people are saying, like, I've seen some some miserable cynics, uh, other than myself, say things like, oh, well, <laughs> it's because uh, the, 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 the Labour uh, Manifesto was offering so many giveaways to that age group, like, you know, free tuition fees at university and so on. And said, well, yeah, but part of the reason we have so many problems in this country is because every government going back decades has gone out of its way to bribe older voters because there's a lot of them and because they vote. And it's quite, you know, it's quite refreshing in a way to see a politician come out and actually try and get young people to vote for him by buying them off. And, you know, that's politics, isn't it? So, yeah, I'm delighted this morning. I'm the happiest I've been about British politics probably since the very first time you had me on this podcast, to be honest. It's amazing. <laughs> there was literally singing in the New
0: Statesman office last night. All right. So let's just run through run through it who do you think the winners and the losers are in this election
4: okay well, starting with the most obvious uh the big winner is jeremy corbyn no i mean he has not literally won the election but there was there were some points last night where he seriously looked like he could be about to become prime minister which is an amazing turnaround from someone who'd been completely written off by the vast majority of the commentariat, including myself, as recently as six weeks ago, and who has never seen this no, no, series. As,
0: as recently as last night, John, at about as recently eight, as last night. At, at about nine yeah. o'clock. Young people and old people all came together yesterday. Very high turnout,
4: huge increase in the Labour vote, and they did it because they want to see thing, things done differently and they want hope in their lives. The big loser uh, is Theresa May. I mean, we. I think her her reputation had already been irreparably damaged by this election in that, like, when she came into it, she was seen as a you know, superwoman. She was strong and stable. She was the one who's going to deliver us the great Brexit deal and so on and so on. And so on. Um, And by, by the end of the campaign, she was seen as a bit awkward and robotic and someone who's a bit frightened of the voters. But honestly, to call an election unnecessarily to get yourself a bigger majority and then losing the majority entirely... That's, that's probably the biggest screw-up by a British Prime Minister since, well, at least since the time David Cameron accidentally took us out of the European Union. Uh, and, you know, it's really <laughs> difficult to see how she's going to survive this. I mean, her, her authority is completely gone. I suspect the Conservative Party will already, this afternoon, be talking about the succession and working out how to replace her. Because, I mean, she, she, she's she's lost the seat. She's <laughs> not meant to do that. Um, she's damaged goods, so she's she's done. In terms of the smaller party leaders, um, Paul Nuttall of, of the UKIPs has already stood down. Um, Have we seen came... the end of Ukip?
0: What what is the point?
4: I think we've seen the end of them as a political party, or oh, no? Hang on, they'll probably keep going, but we've seen the end of them as the kind of force they were from about the middle of the last decade until until very recently, until the referendum, really, where they were capable of getting into double figures and came third and occasionally even second, I think in the European election in 2014 I think they came second in the national polls which was a, an, an amazing thing for a small party to do but, but they kind of don't have a role now like their entire mission was, was to get Brexit to happen and they've done that and also once he stood down it became clear that it very much was the Nigel Farage show and you know I, I may loathe the man intensely but he is box office in the way none of their other guys are so well, I uh, suppose Farage uh, yeah, yeah. could come back
0: again, but Well, there is a position Farage if um, the Tory party uh, the Tory government, sorry, propped up by the DUP is gonna go soft on its hard Brexit. Well then all of a sudden Farage has a role, doesn't he? Is you know, he's all about getting out the customs union, screw the single market, let's control our borders. Absolutely.
4: Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to be hearing a lot more from him. And quite genuinely, I wouldn't be surprised if he becomes UKIP leader for, what is it, the third time, the fourth? Um, Because also, like he he was saying last night, you know, we could now be looking down the barrel of a second referendum, which was, was the exact quote, which suggests to me, firstly that he may be genuinely worried that he's he's kind of uh losing ground here but also that he's a man who's much happier fighting for brexit than actually delivering it so so i suspect he's, he's not going to go anywhere another of the small party leaders who who i think had a pretty good light, night actually and whose job is now safe at least for the moment is, is tim farron at the liberal democrats who had a pretty ghastly campaign by heading a party in favor of liberal values and not being willing to say that he didn't believe gay sex was a sin Uh, but the party did actually gain some MPs last night, it went up from 9 to 12 um, and there's a bit of a churn there they lost a few guys but a few others got in and that's, that's better than some people were expecting so I think he's probably safe for the
0: moment. And he only just squeaked in his seat as well didn't he?
4: did you yeah, know it was very i mean that would actually be one of the more compelling arguments for getting rid of him is that you know his seat is is not safe and well another one would be he's not actually very good um and also this the sainted uh saint vince of cable uh, got back in in twickenham last night and he's just a much more impressive figure so i wouldn't be surprised if, if if he maybe makes another run um i think the last big loser we have to talk about is probably nicholas urgent first minister of scotland and leader of the SNP, the SNP obviously got uh, 56 MPs. They they almost ran the table in Scotland in 2015. Now they're down to 34, I believe, which was, I mean, that's 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 a big drop. It's clear that like the push for a second uh, independence referendum has cost them a lot of support. And I get the impression there was a certain amount of tactical voting, uh, where where unionists would go for either the local Labour or Tory MPs uh, candidates just just to get the SNP out. So I think the idea of a a second Scottish independence referendum is off the table for for the foreseeable, really.
5: We've lost some tremendous MPs, uh, obviously particularly and very personally disappointed that Angus Robertson lost his seat. He has been an outstanding MP. Clearly, uh, we didn't uh, necessarily anticipate the, the late surge to Jeremy Corbyn. Uh, which appeared very late in the campaign and wasn't reflected in the Scottish opinion yeah. polls. Uh, of course, there is clearly uncertainty around uh, Brexit and independence, which you know clearly will be a factor in tonight's results. So, you know, a lot of thinking for the SNP to do. Um,
0: what does it say about politics in Northern Ireland? Before we actually talk about the fact that the Conservatives are going to be popped up by 10 DUP MPs, we have the more extreme of the... Uh, catholic and protestant divide the more extreme of the of the parties basically uh running the table
4: yeah i mean i'm i'm wary here because obviously northern irish politics is its own its, its own beast which i don't really understand very well but
0: the, dare but i say don't seem... we all need to have a little bit of a crash course on it now the, 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 we, do, you, we you know, really, really do because yeah I mean, the,
4: the, it's very the, striking of the 18 seats in northern ireland i think there's one uh, one independent and the others are all over Sinn Féin or DUP now. And those were the two more extremist
0: parties on either side of the, the um, political divide, yeah. Mm. So, how long is this government going to last? You, you said that the Tory party are looking at the succession, but it appears and here we are, it's quarter past five on Friday that May is going to see out the weekend, isn't she, at the very least. She's going to be the leader of the Tory party still our Prime Minister come early next week she's not going to fall on a sword and it looks like uh, the tory apparatchiks um, know that the tory grandees sorry know that for there to be an immediate uh, leadership um, election would massively destabilize the uk political government even more so um what happens next you reckon how long will this government last i don't know it's the honest answer i mean who who Who
4: knows? I mean, as I went to bed last night, it wasn't clear who would be prime minister when I woke up in the morning. Um, I mean, my instinct from from the conversations I've had suggests it's probably not going to happen that quickly. Theresa May has made it fairly clear she's not going to go uh, instantly or of her own accord. The speech she gave outside Downing Street earlier was... It sounded like the exact speech she would have made if she'd won another 100 seats. She was like, what we need now is, is stability and to get on with the job in hand. It's like, well, yeah, but the reason we don't have either of those things is because you called it an unnecessary election. There's a certain amount of chutzpah in there. The Tory party has a certain self-preservation impulse. Which I think will stop them from Launching too quickly into bloodletting I think it's more likely to be one of those things Where someone, in a, you know, a man in a grey suit Taps her on the shoulder one day and says, you know Here's your successor, you should go now But they have to find that successor first And also I kind of I just don't get the impression She is blessed with the self-awareness to kind of uh, Go of her own accord Too easily So I think she will probably try and hang on For, uh, for foreseeable But you know the fun is only just beginning. It's entirely possible we could be looking at another election before the year is out because this government is not looking that stable. And there are certain things on the agenda right now that would really require a stable government to achieve them.
1: Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkled down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
0: In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15th, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both.
5: I mean, I was eight years old, interesting, the same age as the uh, Dragon King's daughter when she comes out of the sea, but um, what was happening to me when I was eight years old was that I was at the hands of a pedophile in um, in a classroom for a year. And... Awesome, yeah, and um, for me, I, well and I think the reason that I somehow managed to, to win in the end is that for me it's about an economy of the three things that bring a song together.
3: Like I...
0: Catch up with me speaking to friends and interesting people every Friday afternoon on Friday 15, which you can get of course from a podcatcher of your choice.
5: Hello, I'm Lucy, and this is Walkie Talkie. I walk my dog, Basil, uh, pretty much every day in a foresty bit of London. Um, I have been doing so for about four years, and I meet people that, as a dog walker, you talk to people. Um, If your dogs get on, you tend to just, you say, which way are you going, can I come with you? and you just sort of amble along and you can end up having the most extraordinary conversations. Partly because uh, you are walking side by side and facing front, so there's no embarrassing eye contact. If things get a bit heavy, if someone starts talking about something that they find emotional or difficult, then you can always divert your attention onto the dogs and relieve the tension a little bit. We've seen, as a group of dog walkers, we've seen um, people get pregnant, have children. We've seen people whose dogs have become ill and died and the owner says, Oh, I can never have another one. And then in a couple of months time, they appear with a puppy and everyone's delighted to see them. And um, we've seen people's marriages break down, new romances start. It's a lovely way to start your morning. It never fails to give me something, something nice to think about, something interesting to think about, even if it's not nice. And having a dog is a sort of a, a universality, really. The people aren't all like me, as I hope you'll realise over the course of the series.
2: Leading up to the 1860 election, in walks a gentleman by the name of Abraham Lincoln, who is the Republican candidate. The Republicans to the South re- represent the ending of slavery. And Lincoln,
0: despite the fact that his sentiment was always in the beginning to preserve the
2: Union rather than to abolish slavery, becomes the lightning rod of anti Southern sentiment. And he ends up winning the election in 1860 with no support from the South.
3: The Guardian, Manchester, Tuesday, November 20th, 1860. Summary of news, Foreign. The details respecting the presidential election furnished by the New York journalists, not complete, but they not only assure us of Mr. Lincoln's election, but show that the Republican party has obtained far more than the requisite number of votes for his return. It is calculated that New York, Pennsylvania, the New England states, New Jersey, and the Northwestern states give him 171 electoral votes, or 19 more than the majority required for the election, the total number of electoral votes being 303. It is not improbable, too, that this majority may be further swelled by the result of the elections in the Pacific states of Oregon and California. We have no account of the manner in which the Southerners have received the intelligence of Mr. Lincoln's election. The next advices will no doubt be filled with fierce Southern declamations and protest, but it's not very likely that any Southern states will do anything mere than talk loudly about succession.
1: Listen to the first show exclusively on Mixcloud today, and subscribe to us on iTunes. From Washington to Obama, ten American presidents. The new podcast from Royfield Brown.
0: Can we go into those Brexit negotiations in what three weeks' time? Can we start them?
4: I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I, I don't quite see how we can, because not only has Theresa May lost all her authority at home, she's kind of lost it abroad too, surely. I mean, this, this something that she kept doing throughout the campaign that I found particularly infuriating was making this claim that, you know, every, every vote she got, every seat she got, would strengthen her hand in negotiations with the EU 27 over Brexit. Now, that was always complete nonsense because, you know, those 27 other governments have their own electorates and they answer to them, they don't really care how big or small Theresa May's majority is they they it does just doesn't matter to them. What they they will be motivated by appeasing their own electorates rather than the British one. So that was always nonsense. But the inverse of it is kind of true that having lost seats, having now got into this position where the debate is over how long is she going to stay, it's kind of difficult for her to go in there and play hardball or make any promises because nobody knows how long she's going to be around. So you know they might just as well say well in all honesty we'd rather have this conversation with your successor
0: where does this now leave uh jeremy corbyn and parliamentary labour party he was i was going to say universally low that would be uncharitable but let's say two-thirds yeah, of them that would be that would be
4: yeah
0: well well previous previously before this election was called two thirds of them um didn't like the guy thought he was going to lead the labour party over a cliff all of a sudden um we've got a real labor party back um what happens to the parliamentary labor party now is it fully and utterly behind corbyn and then what does that mean uh, for the labor party and for progressive parties going forward in the uk
4: i think um i mean i think i think the party will will unify now before the election there were certain uh, labor mp's who were Maneuvering, put it that way. There's a, there's a few names that we all knew of people who were kind of already sounding out the support in the parliamentary party to move against Corbyn after the selection. I think that's off. I don't see, I, I don't see how anyone could do that and not look like an idiot now because he's got forty percent of the vote. I mean, that's the biggest vote share for a Labour leader in literally decades uh so you know it's, it's more than tony blair got when he won in 2005. and obviously there are all sorts of other reasons for that in terms of we seem to be returning to a two-party system but nonetheless like corbyn is leaving this election with a much strengthened hand compared to how he came into it um i, I think and also i think the left more broadly and the membership of the labor party in particular Have kind of unified quite well in this campaign. Like a lot of people who may have been called sceptic remembered that even if they didn't think much of him as a leader, they did still want a Labour government and he he did campaign very well. He he probably won some more support from people who've been sceptical during the course of the campaign. So I think actually the party is probably going to come together quite well for the immediate future. How long that is going to last is the big question because obviously. He still needs to sort of set up a new shadow cabinet uh, and, and it's not clear there, there will be a tug of war between the parts of the left, the hard left to support him that now think it should be like a hard left party and the parts that want unity to kind of bind everyone together uh, in case there's another election or something. So it's there, there might be a sort of internal uh, tussle on on the left as to what the strategy is from here on in. But I think the kind of the Labour centrists will probably get in line, at least for the immediate future.
0: So the Labour Party got just north of 40% of the vote and the Conservative Party got some 46% of the national uh, GB vote. It looks like we've had a lurch back to two-party politics. Why?
4: I mean, that's 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 the big question. I wish I, I had a good answer to that. I mean, the simplistic version would be that the, the two other parties that have taken significant vote share in recent time were UKIP and the Liberal Democrats. And both of those have now had something happen which has severely squeezed their vote share. So, in, in UKIP have been a victim of their own success in that they, they achieved their main policy goal. Large chunks of, of the, the UKIP platform was kind of absorbed by Theresa May's Conservative Party. So, to a large extent, they've, they've set the agenda, but they've also lost out on votes. So Where they were getting you know, 12 13% before in this election, they got somewhere between two and three, I think. So, but you know it, there will be people in the party who care more about the issues than the party, so they'll be pretty happy with that.
1: Thanks to you, Nigel Farage, former leader of UKIP, is indeed with me here in Westminster. Nigel Farage, Mrs May called an election to get a mandate for her kind of breakfast, Brexit. Uh, she didn't get it. Are you worried now that the kind of Brexit you want may not be delivered? Very. I mean, despite the fact there are 318 Tory MPs elected on a Brexit manifesto. The DUP have got 10 seats and they support Brexit. Uh, The real worry I've got is David Davis, who of all the people in the Cabinet, I would have thought was closest to my kind of Brexit position. Even David Davis saying this morning at, at Huppers 2 that perhaps leaving the single market and leaving the customs union Will need to be reconsidered and what tory central office have concluded is they've concluded that campaigning for hard brexit has cost them votes now i think that analysis is wrong i think in the end this was more about personality she failed the test she didn't look like a leader and jeremy corbyn was having a ball he was going around the country engaging people getting new people out there to vote so it seems to me that if even david davis is considering putting the single market back on the table, then the whole Brexit process has really very seriously been damaged by this election.
4: The other party that's kind of gone into decline is the Liberal Democrats, who who are certainly not a victim of their own success. Well, I guess they were in government for five years, so that's a
0: form of success, wasn't it? They were they, they were a victim of being in coalition with the Tories. Um, but also reneging uh, on their one of the key campaign prejudices in 2010, and no one's ever forgotten that.
4: No, no. I mean, I, I, I think the Lib Dems' problems is, ra- is broader than that, which is that they were, to an extent, they were the protest party. They were the party you voted for if you kind of wanted to engage with the political system, but you didn't like the B2, or you didn't like the compromises of government or something. And the problem with having... A significant chunk of that kind of anti-system vote in your electoral coalition is that if you do go into government it's gone instantly like i don't just think the problem was they went in coalition with the tories i think if they had gone into coalition with labor a large and a different chunk of the lib dem vote would have gone anyway so i think the problem was that they went into government at all as much as the the, the exact nature of what they did while in there but anyway because those two parties have lost large chunks of the vote i think that actually explains quite a lot of it but but one of the interesting phenomena last night is how much more national both labor and tory parties are looking the tories i mean labor won a few seats back in scotland but the tories won uh 12 i think it was a significant number anyway um also the tories were making strides in the north where they tradition traditionally struggled but labor was Labour's won a whole bunch of southern seats that really shouldn't have been in contention for them. Places like Swindon or Canterbury. Canterbury has never had a Labour MP. It's been held by the Tories since 1918. And it just voted Labour. So, you know, both of those parties are now looking much more national than they were a couple of days ago. And that probably does push up their vote share, just the fact that people in chunks of the country that previously wouldn't have considered voting for them are now open to the idea.
0: So, trying to wrap this up, what does he say about the UK electorate? What does it say about the average Brit? Oh God, I know
4: that like we quite like a spot of chaos. That (laughs) actually we've we've. Enjoyed the last couple of years of so the endless elections, so we're just going to keep rolling on You know, I, I've I've bloody loved it. I like I like an election because you know it's, it's fun. I get retweets, but you know we keep. You being know told you weren't saying this it, yesterday
0: but... at nine o'clock. You were not enjoying the election. You you know. Oh you're... no
4: no I was I no I was I was looking forward to it. I mean I was dreading the result, but I still. I, I enjoy an election party. I, I enjoy the rolling news coverage. I enjoy the sarcastic tweets. No, honestly, it's kind of my. This is what I have. Where normal boys have football, <laughs> but I don't know what this says about this as a nation. I think it says that, um, the we don't like the presumption of of, uh, an overpowerful government. I think a large amount of it is certainly a pushback against a conservative government that got too self-confident. I think possibly there's a chunk of it that people are hungry for some form of change. Maybe they're sick of austerity or they're sick of uh, certain limits that we've placed on on what seems acceptable in politics in the past and maybe that sort
0: of boosted Jeremy Corbyn's vote share. Do you think there's a certain uh, amount of just plain polite or politic bloody mindedness that people are so fed up with the status quo that whoever actually happens to hold the reins of power they're actually against
4: I mean there's always a large chunk of that. I don't think there has been enthusiasm for a new government in literally twenty years, uh, when, when there was genuine the sort of you know the, 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 the first Blair election in 97 felt like a new dawn, and there was a genuine excitement about it from a large chunk of the population. Maybe it's because that government ended up disappointing a lot of people, as governments inevitably will. Maybe that's why people don't trust that feeling anymore, but maybe there is now kind of a hunger for it. I mean,
0: no, 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 but you know you what, mean, though? you know what, to, 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 uh, be, no, to, no, to like be fair, time. John, I think, to, to be fair. I think maybe once a generation there is an election which feels like you know an epoch has you know has been reached so 1997 1979 maybe wilson in 1964 you know white heat of technology at-ly. you know not at yeah. exactly it's, it's kind of every kind of 20 to 15 years isn't it
4: yeah and we're kind of and we do one but uh and i i think a lot of people were expecting the next one would come from the right, but maybe it won't maybe maybe British politics is actually shifting to the left for the first time in what half a
0: century, probably that'd be exciting on there. So wait a minute nineteen ninety seven wasn't a shift to the left
4: it i it it sort of was, but they had to accept a large chunk of the Tory platform to do that. Um, and you know, in, in practice, like actually, actually, I think that government was a lot more left-wing than it's given credit for. I think people often remember the rhetoric and they remember the sort of vague authoritarianism and they remember, you know, the wars. They don't think so much about the huge investments in public services. Absolutely, or devolution. Mm. And, and you know, that the Blair government did genuinely improve an awful lot of people's lives, and it doesn't always get credit for that. But nonetheless, in terms of the way it pitched itself. It was very much as like it almost pitched itself as a centre right government, and kind of kept a lot of the spending stuff a bit quiet. So I think what 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 might have shifted now is, it is now looking plausible. Not it's not necessarily the most most likely result, but it now seems entirely plausible that we could have another election in the not too distant future, and Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party wins. That's you know and that that. The idea that this is possible at all would have shocked me as recently as well as you say nine o'clock last night so
0: so do you it, think another it, casualty other than theresa may's reputation is probably political punditry after this
4: oh no we're fine i mean we've been... <laughs> no no the great the great thing about being a pundit is it doesn't matter how many times you get it wrong now in all honesty like i actually i believe quite strongly in owning up to your mistakes partly because i think there's an intellectual honesty in there partly because i think you know you should be self-critical you should be questioning your ideas rather than just kind of getting stuck in in a groove where you think something because it's what you've always thought but also (laughs) mostly because then you get a whole other column out of it so you know it just makes life easier doesn't it
0: just before we sign off mr john can you tell people where to find you on social media and what you're up to at the moment
4: Sure. Uh, well, what I'm up to is continuing to write a whole load of stuff uh, for the New Statesman and my own particular section of it, which is called City Metric, where it's all the maps you could ever possibly Ooh, want. It's my favourite um, section. Yeah. But my, my uh, I'm easiest to find on Twitter, where I'm at John Elledge, J-O-N-N-E-L-L-E-D-G-E, or I'm also on Facebook as John
0: Elledge writes. Smashing. John Elledge, thank you for shining a light on the great British election. That is the election of 2017. Thanks. Wicked. Go deep Look at that. On the nose. 5.30. Nice one. I hope you enjoyed John's pontifications on the UK election of 2017. Sorry there's no Reggie this week, but it seems like Reggie has been lost somewhat in Denver. So no uh, analysis of the James Comey testimony uh, this week. However, dear listener, I would implore you to go on to midatlanticshow.com and go and click speak pipe where you can leave your thoughts and feelings about anything which is happening in US and UK politics and we will start to include those audio submissions on future shows. So if you agree or disagree with anything which has been said on this week's show, please go on to midatlanticshow.com Hit speak pipe and record your thoughts and feelings, and we will include it on the next show. Also, to try and help us, why don't you go onto iTunes and write us a review? Um, as many of you know, writing reviews is the single best way for podcasters to get more listeners for their shows. So go on there, write us a review, and if you think we warranted, give us five stars. We are at MidAtlanticShow on Twitter. You can find us also on. Facebook by typing in Mid Atlantic Show. My Twitter is at Royfields, spelled R O I F I E L D. We will have a special show next week. I did an interview for another one of my podcasts, I think called Friday 15, with uh, a guy called Dave Smith, who's British, who went to America last year to try and discover how exactly you become the president of the United States. Um, that show will be posted on the Mid-Atlantic feed. Um, If you can't wait for that, why don't you head over to uh, Friday 15. So just simply Friday 15 on a podcast of your choice and you should be able to catch up with that show. See you all again soon uh, where we will discuss some more US and UK politics.